Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Amen. Well, today will be a little different than normal um, because we're going to be talking about topics that some people would consider political, but I call them biblical. How many of you guys noticed Israel in the news in the past few weeks? Okay. Depends on what you, what you look at, how, how noticed. Between uh, May 10th and May 21st, there were 11 days, there were 4,300 rockets launched from uh, the surrounding areas um, of Israel on, into the Israel civilian areas. Um, it, was, it was a big deal. If you lived in Israel, I know people who lived there. But what I, as, as I see that, I think about all that the Scripture says about Israel and all the prophetic things that, say, that the Bible says about Israel and, and what the Bible tells us to do and how to treat Israel. And I thought to myself, I need to make sure that we as a congregation are familiar with what the Bible says about that. Um, the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, it says, but you, Daniel, roll up the seal and the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge, or, and knowledge will increase. Now, most of us recognize that, that knowledge is increasing exponentially. They say that it's, it's less than every 18 months knowledge doubles. That wasn't the case for thousands of years. It used to be that most people were born traveled and died within 100 miles of, of the same spot. How many of you guys have been more than 100 miles away this year? We were, we were in Chicago. We, we went to a conference with several people from the, the team here just yesterday. We woke up in Chicago. We are beginning to look like what the Bible describes as the un, end times. And the Bible talks a lot about Israel. One of the biggest... Um, obvious prophecies in the Bible about Israel is in Ezekiel. How many of you remember when I say the valley of the dry bones, that rings a bell? Okay, I'm going to read from there. Chapter 37, verse uh, 11, it says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, My people... I will go to your open graves and bring you up from them, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your land, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. And say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all over and bring them back to their own land. Verse 24 says, For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries, and I will bring you back into your own land. Jeremiah 29, 14 says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place where I carried you into exile. 
Jeremiah 23, verse 5, uh, 5 through 8 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up David for a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land, and the days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name of the Lord which was called. Then verse 7 says, So then the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites out of Egypt, but they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the descendants of Israel up out of the land of the north and out of the countries where he had banished them, then they will live in their own land. Now, I want you to imagine for a minute that you are reading the Bible 100 years ago. Just 100 years ago, you were reading the Bible, and you saw over and over these prophecies talking about Israel, but you realized that Israel had not been a nation since like 70 AD. So it had been over 1,500 years, and Israel didn't exist. But you read in the Scripture over and over and over that it talked about Israel coming back. It seemed impossible. No way. This, this is an ancient country and ancient people. It doesn't exist anymore. Now, you and I have the privilege of the perspective from today. We know that in 1948, Israel, which did not exist, began. And today, there is a country called Israel. It's interesting, many, many Christians over the years were confused by the Bible prophecy. Some of them stood strong and said, we don't know how, we don't know when, but we believe that Israel will become a nation again. Others created an explanation that people call replacement theology. Others, when they didn't see Israel, when they saw 1,500 plus years of no country, and they just didn't believe that God could bring that country back, they said, well, since he's obviously not going to bring back Israel, it must mean something else. And so they came up with this idea that really uh, the Bible isn't talking about Israel the country, it's talking about God's people, and because God's people have expanded to the Gentiles and, and, and now we describe God's people as the church, they're also grafted into the family, it must just mean the church. And they, they said everything that it applies to Israel isn't really about Israel, it's about the church. And there are a lot of very famous theologians who thought that. Martin Luther, for example. Sadly, what that did is it caused people to uh, no longer recognize the roles that Israel would play prophetically in the future, and they would look only backwards to the Jewish people and usually focus on the fact that Jesus had been crucified by the Jews, and it opened a door to a lot of anti-Semitism within the church, which is the devil's work. This was wrong. Um, as much as I admire many things that Martin Luther did, when he wrote particularly about the Jews, there was nothing admirable about it. Um, we see, though, today that Israel has become a nation, and we recognize that Israel becoming a nation signifies something significant. Matthew 24, verse 32 now learn this lesson from the fig tree. The fig tree is clearly, repeatedly, over and over, Israel. In fact, like, it's a part of their modern-day symbolism is the fig tree. 
So much so. It says, now learn this from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out and you know summer is near, even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you this, generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Luke 21, verse 24 says, They will fall by the sword and will be taken prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, saying that Jerusalem would come back under rule of the Jews. Now, what the scripture just said was the generation that sees the fig tree blossom again will not pass away. It says that the time of the Gentiles comes to an end when Jerusalem comes back under the rule of the Jews. Israel became a nation in 1948. I believe it was 1967 that Jerusalem came back under rule of the Jews. The Bible tells us those are significant things. It says they demonstrate that prophetically something has shifted. Now somebody says, well, what does it mean that generation will not pass away? Some people have looked in Scripture, and when the Israelites had been kicked out of um, Israel, uh, let's see, I'm going to get this right. When they'd left Egypt, and they had not yet gone into the promised land, and you remember that they were going to go in, and then the ten spies said, no way, we can do it. And God judged though that generation and said, because you didn't believe, you'll pass away. The, there's a verse during that time that talks about their, their years being like 75 years. Some people said, well, that's a generation. 75 years after 1948 is like now. Other people looked, and the Bible talks about, and their na their, the, the number of their days shall be 120 years. Some people said, well, that's a generation. Um, they might be right. 120 to 1948. The Bible tells us we don't know the, the day or the hour, but only God knows. But he does tell us the season. Now, I personally believe that when it says that generation will not pass away, that we could be looking at something similar to what happened with Noah's flood. How many of you remember the name Methuselah? What is Methuselah famous for? How old Methuselah was? Methuselah, on record, was the oldest person ever. His name, Methuselah, means at his death, judgment will come. Now, in my thinking, and many others, and, and if you look at the genealogy and you see that stuff, Methuselah died the year of the flood. Now, if God had prophetically proclaimed that that man would die when judgment came, what does it say about God's character that he turned out to be the oldest man ever? It says that God kept, he was patient, he kept giving people as much time as possible. And in that case, Methuselah, his death was a symbol that the judgment would come. I believe that it's possible that the generation could mean the 120, maybe. I also believe that if God, if there is someone alive in that witnessed 1948 who is still alive, that generation has not passed away. Would that be a fulfillment of the scripture? So I don't know. I don't put out there that it has to be within 120 years exactly if God wanted to, to make, be sure that there was someone alive from 1948. 
But how many of you realize that still puts kind of a limit? Not a hard date, but we can kind of understand, hey, God said that, that the generation that saw Israel blossom. Now, do we count that from the day that Israel declared itself a nation, or do we count it from the day that they became, uh, that Jerusalem became a part of their nation? I don't think it matters so much exactly which day. What I want us to recognize is that prophetically we are in an exciting time. And that Israel is an important part of biblical prophecy. And that God has given us instructions as Christians about how to treat Israel. We as God's people should support Israel. Israel. Why? Number one, Ezekiel 35 verse 5 shows us that anti-Semitism is demonically inspired. I, I will go so far as to say all racism is demonically inspired. But there is a specific hatred. And the Bible says it this way. It says, because, this is in Ezekiel 35 5, because you harbored an ancient hostility and delivered the Israelites over to the sword at the time of their calamity, the time of their punishment, reached its climax. It talks about, in Ezekiel's time, he calls the hatred of the Jews an ancient hatred. How many of you remember, know of, I mean, I'm not asking who was alive during, but rings the bell, the Holocaust, when 11 million Jews were systematically wiped off the face of the earth in one of the most blatant and ugly displays of absolute, demonically inspired hatred of a people because of who they were. And there, there are people alive today who were there. That, that is just recent history. But if we look backwards, we can see that, that in Russia there was persecution of the Jews. If we go back in the Bible, how many remember the story of Haman and Esther? Haman hated just that one group and, and went to great measures. He created the gallows so that there would be a declaration in the empire that was controlling most of the known world to kill all of the Jews on a given day. Thousands and thousands of years ago. That hatred is demonic. You, if you look in the natural at what is going on in the Middle East, Israel has done so much for the world. And in that area, they are a beacon of freedom, liberty, all kinds of... But they are so hated by their neighbors. They give opportunities and jobs and everything to their, to their neighbors, to the to surrounding areas, yet their neighbors think, why? You look at it, it does not make sense why you would hate this group so much, except that it is inspired demonically. The Bible says in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, 
and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. First of all, we bless Israel because God promised us that if we bless Israel, he will bless us. That is a promise. Let me just point this out. There is no promise regarding the Democrat or Republican Party. But regarding the Jews, there is a promise. We, I, my goal is not to be very hyper-political today. My goal is to show how our support of Israel and what our understanding of Israel should be according to Scripture. And Scripture says, support Israel. As, as I watched the news over the last couple of weeks, my heart broke as I saw prominent people within our nation who did not want to support Israel. They were being bombed. 4,300 plus rockets launched at civilians. I don't know if you knew this, but repeatedly, the Israeli army has been declared by others to be the most moral army on the face of the earth. Israel, I mean, if, if you were living in a city that was being bombed, you would want your, your military to do something. How many of you would agree? They then, through, through their networks of, of intelligence, locate where the terrorists are. The terrorists know that it looks bad on the national news if civilians are targeted. So the terrorists launch rockets from the, ceiling, from the roofs of kindergartens, from hospitals, from different places, on purpose hiding amongst the, the civilians. The Israeli army has technology where they hack everybody's phone in a building and tell them, this is going to be bombed, get out. They have special bombs that hit the roof and don't destroy it just to scare the people out of the building. They drop flyers, tell people to leave. They do everything. I mean, from a military standpoint, going and telling everybody where you're going to bomb doesn't make sense. Because what if along with the kindergartners and all of the other people that they evacuate, they also take with them their rockets, which has been happening, but they still do it. They are just... Just a, from, from a perspective of the news, just a fun little fact. During those past 11 days, Israel made kind of a big show of amassing some of their uh, forces along the border. And they leaked the, the probability that they were going to, to invade. Because what Israel usually does, and even their army is referred to as the Israeli defense force. But they implied that they might go in. And so the terrorists took their, their rockets and their tanks and all of their stuff and they put them into these tunnels that, that Israel knew they had, about 40 miles worth of tunnels. And when they took their stuff away from the kindergartens and the hospitals and the places where they'd hid them and stuck them in their tunnels, thinking that they were hiding them from the Israelites, the Israelites said, thank you, and buried them bombed them. I believe that was a God-given strategy. It was so amazing that they wiped out a massive portion of the terrorist capacity by waiting for them to separate it from them. God has been using them. But here's the thing. God says, if you bless Israel, I will bless you. And then here's something else. 
The Bible says right there in that same verse, he says, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, I want to ask you something. If God was blessing the world specifically through a group of people, what would that look like? What would it look like for a group of people to be fulfilling a prophecy to bring blessing to the earth? What would we expect? We would, we would have to expect that that group of people would disproportionately be responsible for technological breakthroughs, for medical advancements, for, for sources of blessing for the entire world. How many of you would agree? I'm going to read something here. This is just interesting. There are perhaps 13 to 15 million Jews in a world of 6 billion people. Jews are so few in number that in a room of 1,000 people representing the world's population, only two would be Jewish. 0.2% of the world's population. In sciences, Jews have won 22% of the Nobel Prizes ever awarded. 29% of the Pearsons since 1950, after the Holocaust, destroyed a third of their numbers. Given their small population, the Jews should have earned only... Um, only one of the 502 Nobel Prizes awarded for physics and chemistry. Instead, they've won 123. The Fields Medal awarded to the world's brightest mathematicians under 40 is an honor John Nash of the book and the movie The Beautiful Mind hoped to win. Instead, he took the Nobel Prize in economics as a consolation prize. One-fourth of the Fields Medal winners have been Jews. They are disproportionately counted in most of the arts, since their date of retrospective dates of inception, America's leading symphony orchestras have been led by Jewish conductors one-third of the time. Now, someone might listen to this and think, well, there's just some racist underthink. No, God promised that he would bless the world through the descendants of Abraham. Israel, the country of Israel, has more entrepreneurs and, and, and more uh, patents and inventions per capita than any place on the face of the planet. Your telephone, it, it, it's funny that, that there's this BDS, how many of you have ever heard the BDS movement? It, it's, a, it's a movement to um, boycott Israel, anything that comes from Israel. But here's the thing, none of our phones would function without Israeli inventions in them. Like, People are spreading it on their phone. Stop buying stuff from Israel with their stuff from Israel. Like God has, has used that nation to bless us. If I just look back and I say, well, what would it look like that this group of people who are 0.2% of the population have won 38% of all the Nobel Prizes for economics and 67% of the John Clark Bates medals for promising economics under 40? And most of the time, Many people don't even realize that the people getting the award are a Jews until afterwards. Why? God promised that he would use the people of Israel to bless the world, and he is fulfilling that promise. Joel chapter 3 verse 1 says, In those days and at that time I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, and I will gather all the nations, and I will bring down the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people, and Israel, because they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. The Bible says that nations will be judged 
because of how they treated the land of Israel. Right now, and I don't have time to go into all the details, but Israel was granted statehood in 1948. The group of people that we consider the Palestinians were also granted the right to statehood at that same time. And the land was divided by um, an international group. Britain was the one that was in charge of it prior to that. They, they divided up and said, you guys can both go be nations. The group that we consider the Palestinians didn't create a nation. Israel did. The surrounding Arab countries went to the Palestinians and said, if you will get out of the way, we will go in and wipe Israel off the map and you can have it all. And they attacked. All of the surrounding Arab countries attacked Israel and Israel fought back and won. And the, the, they gained property. They gained big, huge chunks of Egypt. They gained all kinds of stuff. And in an effort to make peace with their neighbors, they gave 97% of it back. But they said, hey, there are a couple of communities where predominantly Jews live. We're not going to put them under your rule knowing that your charter says that you want to kill all Jews. They have offered... They've given back all but that. They have offered to, to make exchanges. They have offered, put on the table multiple times, returning everything, swapping a few pieces, a few neighborhoods, saying, you know what, do this or that. Refused every time. The, the, the international community keeps telling the Israelites to give up their land, to give up their land. They have offered it. But the consensus of their neighbors isn't, we want the land back. The consensus of the neighbors in their constitutions, it is written that they desire to annihilate the Jews from the face of the earth. We do not want to be among the people who encourage Israel to divide their land because God says he will judge those who do that. He will judge the nations that do that. You and I should pray that, that the Israeli people are allowed to keep their land, the land that God gave them. Amos uh, 9.15, I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them. Number, reason number five to support Israel is our faith is founded in Judaism. The Bible says in John 4.20, it says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus was Jewish. Romans 9, 44 through 5 says, The people of Israel, theirs is the adoption of sonship, theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all forever. Amen. We recognize that. The Bible was written by all Jews except for Luke, who you could argue converted. The love of Jews is in the Bible. The hate of Jews is a demonic thing. We represent Jesus. And you know who we represent Jesus to? The world, including the Jews. I went backpacking in Europe when I was in college just for a little brief time. I was studying French, and I found a ticket for $200. Round trip to Paris, I went. I didn't know anybody. I was just, just went. 
And while I was there, I ran into a couple of um, Israeli backpackers who were going around, and, and we were um, staying in the same hostel. And I asked them about their beliefs. I said, so, you know, because there are Jews who are Jewish by blood, but there are also, their Jew, Judaism is a um, nationality. You can be a Jew because you're a, a citizen of Israel. You can be a Jew because you are a descendant of Abraham, and you can be a Jew because you follow Judaism, the religion. Follow how they can get confusing sometimes. So I'm talking to these Israelis who we know are descendants of Abraham, but they might not practice Judaism, right? So I asked them, I said, hey, you know, do you, you know, how religiously um, Jewish are you? You know, just curiosity. And the one girl responds and says, well, you know, I don't eat bread during Passover. Um, there's a few things, but not much. You know, just, just a little bit, kind of. You know, I go to church on the holidays and that's it. And she said, I don't eat bread. And I said, oh, okay. Now, isn't it only unleavened bread that you can have? She's like, how did you know? I said, well, because it's, it's, it's in the Bible. I'm a Christian. We studied the Bible. You do? I said, yeah. I said, you know, you and I, we, we study the same Old Testament. And I, I started to explain. I said, the difference is that the Jewish Jews are still waiting for the Messiah to come. I believe the Messiah already came. And that the New Testament added to what was there when he came. He gave us some adjustments to his instructions and off we went. You know, like, but we're based in the same thing. And this is the part that I want you to, to, to hear and remember. She looked to me and she says, that is so surprising to me. I had no idea there was anything in common with Christianity and Judaism. Really? And then she said, I heard Hitler claimed to be a Christian. That's all I needed to know. And he did. Hitler claimed to be a Christian. He subscribed to that replacement theology that we talked about earlier. Wicked. But here's the thing. We represent Jesus. We represent Jesus to the world and to the Israelis. To the Jews who still need to learn and understand who the Messiah was. That is still important and necessary. I, uh, I had an opportunity. I was invited to speak at a Jewish um, temple back in 2016 after having visited Israel on, um, on a trip that was sponsored by uh, that mosque. They were trying to help people understand the political climate that was there. And I went and I, they invited me to come and speak there. And afterwards... Uh, when, when I went, I, I wrote and presented them this poem, and I want you to hear it. It says, through you, I wrote, it's titled, Israel, You're Not Alone. Through you all the nations of the earth be blessed. From the very lips of God were those words professed. Long has been your journey since a people you became. Countless generations have carried on the Jewish name. After many counts of persecution, the Jews have still survived. Like the desert rose, instead they blossomed, they have thrived. When God himself intervened in 1948, Israel returned to the map and ended all debate. Clearly God is on your side, a fact that has not changed. To oppose what God supports takes a heart that is deranged. The prophet Joel tells us of the judgment that will come. To the nations who divide your land, 
may we not be in that sum. There are millions who suffer. Excuse me. There are millions who support you and pray for your welfare. The Holy Word of God tells us it is important that we care. God himself has promised to bless those who bless you. Many are the Christians who pray for all you do. Every week, countless churches pray that you succeed. Every day, countless churches lift in prayer your every need. My message to the Jews is simple and concise. If you think you are alone, perhaps you should think twice. It is surprising to me how often the, the people, the Jews do not understand our shared heritage. They do not, they, they were shocked when we support them. When a few years back, when uh, Iran was threatening to, has always been threatening to destroy Israel, but they were on the cusp of acquiring nuclear weapons, and there was a decision to be made by our governing body, the, the U.S. Senate, regarding whether or not we would step in and help to, to block Iran from having um, those, or whether we would agree to allow Iran to get closer and closer to a nuclear weapon. And it was a big deal. I don't know if any of you guys can remember this. I went um, to, uh, to the, the Capitol. I spoke to one, our representative in Michigan, along with a bunch of other people, and we just encouraged them, um, you know, don't support nuclear weapons for a country who in their charter has said we're trying to wipe Israel off the face of the planet and was there with a big group um, of people and spoke with several prominent Jewish leaders who were also trying to save Israel. And it's kept surprising me that when they would say, so this is, if I can, I don't know, I have enough time to tell this. So I'm there with this group of Jews, many of them Jews, and we're trying to protect Israel, and we're, we're, we're speaking to the, them. And they got all, all of us together, and they said, you know, there are protests going on outside. And some of them were. There were some, like, protests. But there was also a Christian group out there, led by Glenn Beck and others, that were pro-Israel. But they didn't know that. So they described, they said, just, just when you go out there, I suggest you take your name tag off, don't you know, don't call us any attention. So I went out there in between the appointments that I had, and I'm listening to Glenn Beck, who is talking about this stuff. He's talking about what the Bible said about supporting the Jews and all the things that the Jews are doing that is impacting the world, and he's saying this. And I was standing next to a, a prominent Jewish man who, whose just mouth is falling open. And he says, who is this guy? Because he recognized we both had the same folders. We were a part of that same, same thing. And he says, who is this guy? He says, I've never heard the speakers at our Jewish events give such a complete and good like, picture of what's going on. This is amazing. And I had to explain to him who he was. He had no idea. Because they've dismissed the Christians as, po as being a, a possible source because Sadly, too many Christians have sided with anti-Semitism. And there is, there is a change going on right now. Many churches, many Christians are beginning to understand the truth. The lies that were told when people were confused because they didn't believe that Israel could become a nation again 
don't make sense when you look at them in the light of the fact that Israel is a nation again. I like to think that if I had been alive back then, I would have trusted that God's prophecy was going to be fulfilled the way God's prophecy said it was going to be fulfilled. But at least I have a little bit of compassion for people who were confused 1,500 years after Israel had disappeared. But to you and I, we don't, we, we don't have that excuse. I, I long that we as Christians be a beacon of support for Israel. The Bible commands it. Psalms 122, 6 through 9. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord God, I will seek your prosperity. If there was no other reason, that would be enough. God said, do it. Zechariah 2.8 for this is what the Lord Almighty says, after the glorious one has sent me against the nations, I have plundered you. For whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. Israel is described as the apple of his eye. Got medieval map makers put Israel at the center of the map. I don't know if you've ever looked at maps from other countries where instead of the U.S. being prominent, it's somewhere else and it always just seems funny. They used to just put Israel in the center, just recognizing that that is, that is a focus, focal point of history and the future prophetically. Also, we know that God has given them that land. Genesis 13, 14 through 15. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north, to the south, to the east, and the west. All the land you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I'm out of time to continue, but... Here is my, my prayer. My prayer is that we are encouraged, that we recognize that, that Israel being a nation is an indicator that we are in a very special time in history, that God has not ceased to move. When you look at the specificity with which the Bible... Do you remember the verses I was reading at the beginning that talked about, I'm going to take you from the nations in the north? Do you remember how thousands and thousands, I think it's even in the millions, of Jews came from, from Russia? When you look at the map and the countries from which they came, the specificity with which the Bible 2,000 years ago described what happened just 60 years ago. Just think. That is not a coincidence. If you wondered, is the Bible true? Is, is Bible prophecy accurate? You don't need to go beyond just looking at what God, the Bible prophesied about Israel to recognize beyond any possible coincidence, God knew what was going to happen before it happened. So I hope you're encouraged by that. I hope you're encouraged recognizing that we are in important times. And I, I hope that each of you are inspired to pray for the peace of Israel. Right now, Israel is in very tense times. On May 21st, so what does that mean? Nine days ago, there was a ceasefire declared. After all that, that happened, um, the news says both sides claim victory. We look at, statistically, 
what happened. And, and by the way, we as America, over time, have been blessing Israel. I am so proud to say that. We, we recently recognized their, their capital and put that there. 90% of the rockets that were launched from Gaza towards Israel were blocked by the Iron Dome. How many of you know what that is? How many of you have never heard the word Iron Dome? The Iron Dome is a missile system that was developed in cooperation with the USA. That when a rocket is launched, it detects the, the, the trajectory compares it against populated centers, and if that rocket is on its way to someplace likely to kill civilians, it launches a rocket, all within a split second, launches a rocket that goes up and shoots the rocket out of the sky. 90% of the 4,000 plus rockets that were launched were blocked. That, that, were, that, that fit the criteria of needing to be blocked. Because there was actually a large percentage of them that just went wrong. They, they constantly land in fields and, and weird places. One out of seven of the rockets that were launched fell back in Gaza on their own people. In one of the, the Muslim papers, some of the, the terrorist leaders were quoted saying, the God of the Israelis knocks our rockets off course. We as a country blessed them. And it was a big deal just about a week ago when after launching, you know, knocking thousands of rockets out of the sky, that Israel needed to purchase from us more missiles with which to block. And there were people within our government who were encouraging them not to set to do it. And I'm proud to say that we did it anyway. And that the president came out and, and made the statement that Israel has a right to defend themselves. And when I see that happen, I say, hey, we're going to be blessed because we did that. That's what the Bible shows us. That's what the Bible tells us. So let's close today by praying a blessing over Israel. Are you guys with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the prophecies that you have given us that we could see and know that your word is real and inspired. Lord, we just lift up the country and the people of Israel. Lord, we pray your protection over them. We recognize that the hatred that comes against them, that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That this is an ancient hatred, a demonically inspired hatred, Lord, and we rebuke those demonic forces in Jesus' name. We pray that the people who've been perpetrating these acts of terror would be freed from that influence, that they would come to know you, that they would put down those weapons and that there would be peace. Lord, we pray blessing and protection on the people of Israel. We thank you all the ways that you are actively blessing the world through that country. And we pray uh, prosperity over those endeavors in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, before we go, 
I don't want to leave without saying this. Yes, Israel has a special place in prophecy. God is fulfilling prophecy through them. But God doesn't love the Israelis more than he loves you and I. He says that he grafts us into that family. He says all to all those who believe, Jews and Gentile alike. God chose the Israelites not to be the only people he loved, but the Bible says to be the people through whom he would show himself. That he would use them to show himself to us because he seeks relationship with every one of us equally. If you know you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to raise your hand. You know your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven. Fantastic. If you desire to be a part of God's family, if you desire to know that your sins are forgiven but aren't sure that they are, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. If that's you and you want to do that, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. With every eye closed just for a moment, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand and then we're going to repeat that prayer together. Are you here? If there's someone watching us online, we want to do this for you. Let's all repeat this prayer together. Dear God, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sin, that he rose from the dead. We accept your forgiveness and we choose to make you the Lord of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.